PD Raw is a podcast sharing the experiences and insights of people with personality disorders or traits by being brave and talking about the things that are shameful and painful. Humans demystify and destigmatize the things that we hide. The aim of this podcast is to let others know that they are not alone. By showing the reality behind our walls, we hope to bring people closer together, connecting in a more open and authentic way. Please be aware that, due to its topic, this podcast is adults only, not safe for work, and may contain triggering content. Hello, Katya, and welcome to PD Raw. Hi, thank you for having me. Now, you are involved in some exciting projects to do with destigmatizing personality disorders. That's true. Yeah, I do do a number of projects. I have my own, and I'm also a guest on some others as well. What's your own one? So my project is called Sorry My Mental Illness Isn't Sexy Enough For You, which might seem like a little bit of an odd title, but I came up with it. I like it. I know, it's good, it's good. It's a bit difficult to write down, but it's very memorable. (laughs) It is very memorable. How long has that been going? So we set it up originally in October 2021, and I set it up with a friend of mine, and we were both diagnosed with personality disorders. She'd had her diagnosis for quite some time, whereas for me it was quite new. And we were having a conversation about how when you look into information for personality disorders, you either get lots of factual information or you get a lot of things that are quite negative. And what we felt like we didn't have was information about people who had personality disorders and how they kind of go about their daily lives, how it affects them, what they do, and sort of that kind of lived experience aspect. So we decided to put together our own website to share stories from people with personality disorders and other mental illnesses about how they deal with day-to-day life Mm -hmm. with a personality disorder. Well, how did you go about collecting people to appear on the website? Initially, it was quite difficult. So we sort of approach people in our inner circle because the nature of our mental illnesses means that we do quite often come into contact with people um, with other disorders and they were quite happy to share anonymously. But we actually found quite a lot of difficulty when we started to ask for submissions on social media. So we found it was quite easy to engage people with, say, borderline personality disorder or bipolar disorder. But we weren't really getting the voices that we wanted to in terms of the really stigmatized disorders. So things like narcissistic personality disorder and antisocial personality disorder. That was quite tricky, but once we got the initial stories onto the website, I think people realised that actually, you know, we weren't out to add to the stigma. We genuinely wanted to give these people a voice. So it's become a lot easier over time with submissions. But yeah, definitely in the beginning, it was really quite difficult to give everyone that channel. Wow, that's amazing. So uh, is it just people in Britain or are you finding you're able to connect to people globally it is definitely global I mean we have submissions from all over the world and one of the things that we find really interesting is to kind of see the diagnostic process and 
the stigma and the way that people are treated in different countries. I mean, we go all over the world. We've had people from Malaysia, people from India. And what we really like is it is intersectional as well. So we have voices from all different sections of the community because I feel like sometimes when we are talking about severe mental illness, we don't always hear from everyone, especially underrepresented groups. So, and what's the what's the um, response then? It's It's been... <laughs> I say it's been generally positive. Obviously, you know, if you are sharing stories about disorders like narcissistic personality disorder and antisocial personality disorder, you know, hashtags on social media, it's not always going to attract the kind of attention that you want. And we definitely have had some negativity towards us and what we are doing as a project because people don't agree with us giving a voice to people with narcissistic personality disorder and antisocial personality disorder and to a certain degree it can happen with borderline personality disorder as well so that's been quite difficult because you hear so much negativity around certain disorders that actually we wanted to show the other side that people don't talk about and it's not that we are saying that everyone with those disorders is an angel but we are trying we are yeah. trying to give an alternative perspective on it as well because not everybody with those disorders is going to be the devil incarnate like there are people with those disorders that are out there living you know normal lives and that's what you don't really hear about mhm and everybody's a human being exactly exactly mm, mm. so there might be behavior which is um perhaps a, a way to express that's not the healthiest um and it'd be a learned behavior but Despite that, there's still a human being there who needs the same as anybody else. Definitely. And I think speaking to somebody with a personality disorder, the way that people view certain behaviours when they know that you have a personality disorder is always very skewed. So, for example, if you are angry and you have BPD, it's borderline rage. Or if you are upset and you have BPD, then it's viewed as being manipulative. And I think that's what we really kind of struggle with as close to be those kind yeah. of perceptions in how people view us through the lens of our disorder. So do you, have you found since you've come out that um, people are uh, devaluing what, you're, what you feel because they're sort of saying, oh, it's only an expression of a disorder? Is that is that what you're saying? It can be. I mean, for me personally, I've always had quite positive experiences when I've disclosed that I've got borderline personality disorder, but you can definitely see from the stories that we share that that can be the case for a lot of people and especially people who are quite public about it. And I totally understand and respect why some people with personality disorders choose not to be public about it or to discuss it with others because it does change how people view you. What about um, in the other countries then? You must have heard some really interesting stories from people. Definitely. And I would say generally it tends to be a cultural thing. So people who are from cultures where mental illness is not discussed at all, they have a lot harder time in terms of finding that support. And it can be really quite sad to read. So it's good to know that our project and other sources that are out there are offering them that support and reassurance that actually they're not alone. And it is really difficult to see how some countries and some cultures view people so differently on the basis of a label. And oh, that's a shame, isn't it? 
It is. And it is really sad. And it does make you think that in certain countries, you are so privileged to be able to access support, even if it's not always perfect, like it is in the UK. There is support there if you need it. It might be a little bit of a battle to access it, but at least it exists. And in some places, it genuinely doesn't. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what makes it even more important to have something on the internet that people can access, doesn't it? So they don't feel so alone. Definitely. And one of the things that we always say with our project is that it's always anonymous. We don't allow commenting on the website itself because we do want to protect people from that kind of negativity that can be really unhelpful when you're trying to manage a mental illness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so y- people get in touch with you by email, is that correct then? They can do. I mean, most of the contact that we have, it does come by a direct message on our Instagram. So that's where most of our interaction comes from. And um, they can also contact us via email as well. That's completely fine. But I would say that most of the stories that we receive, they do come via Instagram. Okay. So that's one of your projects. You must be very busy. What are your other ones that are involved with destigmatization? So the big one is the BPD Bunch, which is a podcast that was set up to talk about the issues around borderline personality disorder as somebody who would be considered as functionally recovered. So that is somebody who doesn't meet all of the criteria for a full BPD diagnosis, but we still have struggles or particular symptoms that we find quite difficult to manage on a day-to-day basis. So we hope that it can give reassurance to people that actually BPD doesn't have to be a life sentence. And for people that have recovered, we kind of provide support and I guess advice really in terms of managing life after BPD because you Mm -hmm. will never fully recover from a personality disorder. It is lifelong, but there are ways that you can manage it. What would some of those ways be then? I think it's quite individual to each person, um, but it's useful for us to reflect as a group on those kind of different strategies that we use that other people may or may not find useful. So I'll give you sort of one example that I discussed recently on the show. So one of my big problems that I had with borderline personality disorder and to a certain degree still struggle with is impulsive behavior and for me that would tend to manifest as excessive spending so I'm not proud of it but I used to spend an awful lot of money on new clothes just from wanting something when I felt sad to pick me up and that used to be my go-to so one of the things I was talking about on the show is that when I feel like being impulsive what I do now rather than go online and sort of order 20 parcels to be delivered and then feel awful when they arrive and I have to send them back because I didn't (laughs) want them (laughs) is that I do I do go to um things called vintage kilo sales and I don't know if they're sort of common around the world Mm -hmm. but we have them in the UK and they're held in warehouses and it's just rails and rails of old vintage clothes and you pay per kilo for the amount of clothing that you have so what I will do is if I feel like being impulsive I will go to one of these sales and I will fill up bags of sort of clothes pay for the clothes because it's a lot cheaper and it's more sustainable than what I was doing before but I still get that kind of rush from being impulsive but it's in a much healthier way. I I just I can't find anything wrong with buying new clothes. 
I think for me, I think for me, it was the financial aspect. Yeah, also, no <laughs> also as well, like they would arrive and then I wouldn't send them back because I wouldn't remember to send them back and I'd be like having all of these clothes and it just wasn't really sustainable. So at least now I can do it and feel, you know, relatively good about myself that I'm not contributing any more issues for the planet. <laughs> that's it, you're recycling. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, that's just that's just one of the things. And, you know, people with BPD might find that, you know, that that's not helpful for them. But at least we're sort of giving ideas to people on things that they might want to try just to make life a bit easier with managing symptoms. Mm -hmm. And probably just the fact of sharing um, some of your behaviours and some of your compulsions with other people and they totally understand, that's probably really supportive in itself. Yeah, that's what we hope. I mean, what I don't want people to do is to hear the podcast and think, oh, you know, they've recovered from BPD, like they think they're great, they've moved on, they're lecturing other people. It's really not like that at all. But we do appreciate that everyone will be on a spectrum with BPD. You know, some people will find it more manageable than others. But we are giving options to people who are maybe in a different situation and are sort of at the top end of recovery. So, yeah, I mean, we just hope that it helps people. That's always the aim. Mm, well, I think when you, you're in a really bad place, you do need that kind of information, don't you? Yeah, definitely. And I think when I got my diagnosis of BPD, like the first thing I did was exactly what the psychiatrist told me not to do and type it into Google. <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't really know too much about it. He was like, you know, don't go and type it into Google, read through this information that I've given you here. So obviously I got in my car and before I drove off, I typed it into Google and I was like, oh my God, like I'm so awful. Like, What honestly, kinds of things were you reading? It made me so paranoid because I was reading that people with BPD were abusive, they were manipulative, they were just a nightmare to be in a relationship with. And I was sitting there thinking, this doesn't feel like me. And then that made me paranoid because I was like, what if it is me, but I'm not self-aware enough to know that I'm actually this awful? Mm. And, you know, this is exactly why they tell you not to Google it. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, but when he said that, that's just like a red rag to a bull, isn't it? It is. It yeah, is. yeah. And the oh. interesting thing was, like, I had a friend with BPD, so I called her when I got home, and she was like, yeah, like, a lot of people with BPD, like, they can't relate to the things that are being said about them because BPD takes so many different forms, and not everybody is the most extreme example Okay, so and how did you get your diagnosis? What happened? So it was a bit of a mission to get my diagnosis. So it probably started back in 2015 when we started the process of trying to find out what exactly was wrong. So I'd known probably since the age of about 14 that things weren't quite right in terms of being very emotionally dysregulated, impulsive behaviour, but I didn't really realise it was a massive problem until I was at university, so probably around the age of 21 or 22, because I think prior to that, a lot of that behaviour could be seen as just typical teenage behaviour. Mm. So I visited my GP and it kind of started this process of going back and forth over a very long period of time where I would be referred to a service, wait sort of six months to get to the top of the list, 
go to that service for an assessment and then I'd have a checklist which would be quite clearly geared towards anxiety and depression and nothing would really apply to me. So I'd go in for the consultation and they would say, we don't feel like we can help you. And then I would get discharged and then it would start the cycle all over again. So I didn't actually get my diagnosis until 2021, which was about six years after this process started. Oh, how did you keep going? I think it must have been really disheartening. It was. It was really difficult. And I think the thing about borderline personality disorder is it does get easier to manage generally as you get older. So a lot of it was down to that. But the things that I was having a lot of problems with, they weren't picked up until that point because I had a really good psychiatrist who realized that I was meeting the criteria for borderline personality disorder, but not in the way that most people would expect. So for example, when I was asked about self-harming, I said no, because I don't cut myself. That's not something that I've ever done. But some of my other behaviors would have been classed as self-harming, which I didn't realize. So I would have met that criteria, but neither myself nor the psychiatrist would have known about that unless I was Mm -hmm. pressed on it further. And also things like explosive anger as well with BPD. Like I don't really ever lose my temper but if I'm angry I will get quite passive aggressive and I didn't realize that that was anger either Mm -hmm. so when you start to go through you think yeah okay I do meet these criteria but not in the way that most people would expect Mm -hmm. and that's probably Mm -hmm. why it went under the radar for so long. Okay so and you had a really good psychiatrist then who was able to I guess know you a bit better or? Yeah I mean it was somebody who dealt with BPD quite a lot and I had found up until that point although BPD had been raised as a possibility a lot of people that I was speaking to were saying we don't really recommend a formal diagnosis we would rather treat with medication because once you've got BPD on your medical records like it's there and there's nothing you can do about it and it can carry a lot of stigma. In what way like I would have thought it might unlock a few more resources is that not the case? Well, definitely. I mean, I was quite happy to have it on my medical notes because, as you said, I felt like having it there on my notes would access a lot more of resources for me. But I think they were quite concerned because my day job is a teacher of the perceptions that, yeah, yeah, of the perceptions that would be around that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, And so did it then unlock the resources that I'm so hopeful about or did it not? Um. Not really. (laughs) So what happened was um, I got medication. It was discussed that I would do um, talking therapy. And initially I was quite reluctant to do this because I've done talking therapy before. And although it's helped to a degree, it doesn't really give you strategies in terms of managing symptoms that would be more specialised. The main treatment that's offered for borderline personality disorder is dialectical behavioral therapy, but that was something that was never offered to me. So I sort of managed with medication up until the end of last year when my diagnosis changed based on another psychiatrist looking at the symptoms that I was having and deciding that schizotypal personality disorder was probably a more accurate reflection of what I was experiencing. Do you agree with the second psychiatrist and and sort of feel that that's more appropriate? 
I do, I do. I mean, when that psychiatrist said schizotypal personality disorder, my first thought was, what on earth is that? Like, yeah, what, please answer, <laughs> what on earth is that? Because not many people know this. Well, it's definitely not something that I had really come across before. I was aware of the cluster B personality disorders and through doing the website, I'd heard of schizotypal personality disorder, but I wasn't really sure on what it entails. And they kind of came to that conclusion of me having STPD based on some of the symptoms that I'd had that I would say were psychotic-like, so not fully psychotic experiences. So for example, I do have really odd beliefs about things and odd ideas of reference. Mm-hmm. Um, also, perceptual disturbances, um, auditory hallucinations, sometimes visual. But although when I was experiencing these psychotic symptoms, I was always aware that they weren't real. And it was dismissed as being part of transient psychosis, which people with BPD can experience from time to time when they are under extreme stress but for me they were much more regular and when I was when I was exploring it with the psychiatrist he kind of joined up all the dots and said I think you have really strong traits of borderline personality disorder but you don't meet enough of the criteria for a full diagnosis but we do feel like schizotypal personality disorder is probably a more fitting label for you okay And then once you got this label, did you then get these resources? Um, So, no. (laughs) Um, Once I had schizotypal personality disorder, I actually found it was quite useful in terms of helping me define what I was experiencing. So I have schizophrenia, which runs in my family, and we think it's probably a genetic component, Mm -hmm. which has caused the STPD. But in terms of sort of accessing help, I am still in the process of it being a preliminary diagnosis. So I've been waiting for a second opinion for quite some time. And I actually very, very recently decided that I would go private just to confirm the diagnosis because all of my treatment so far has been on the NHS and it's very, very long waiting times Mm. and sometimes with people who don't know a lot about your particular condition so I decided that I would seek the diagnosis privately and it was confirmed that it is schizotypal personality disorder. Are there good resources then in the private medical field? I found in terms of waiting lists it's so much quicker and also I was able to specify that I did want to speak to somebody who worked almost exclusively with cluster A disorders because I found a lot of the problems in the NHS system were that people just didn't have the wealth of knowledge and the expertise of certain conditions and that's not a criticism of the individuals because personality disorders are so complex and they overlap such a lot in symptoms that it's very difficult sometimes to be able to pin down what exactly it is mm-hmm. so in terms of the resources um again talking therapy was suggested but it wasn't something that they ever actually formally put to me and at the moment I feel like I can manage the STPD quite well with antipsychotics because they do help a lot but I feel like in future if I needed anything extra I probably would go down the private route. So how how easy was it to find someone in the private um, field that that did know schizotypal 
personality disorder? See, this is where Google was actually my friend <laughs> because I typed that into Google and managed to find someone quite quickly. Um, really? Had, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is, um, it's schizospectrum. So there's quite a lot of psychiatrists that do work with schizospectrum disorders. So schizophrenia, schizoaffective disorder, schizoid personality disorder to a certain degree. Um, and I was actually able to find someone who could say, you know, that you definitely do have schizotypal personality disorder because, again, as with the BPD, it's very rare to find someone who who fits every single criteria. Mm. And even in the case of schizotypal, I don't always, like, for example, one of the symptoms is odd dress and speech. Odd dress, definitely. Odd speech, probably not so much. So, again, it's quite difficult to say, you know, Katya definitely takes that box. So it was about somebody who could kind of pull it all together and have a look at the bigger picture. And was that when you got prescribed the antipsychotics? I had had them previously um, for managing the BPD with the impulsive symptoms, but it was just a case that the medication was changed and the dosage changed slightly. But I know that there's a lot of people who don't want to take medication for mental illness and especially for schizotypal because it does tend to be one of those conditions where actually you probably can in certain circumstances, you know, just kind of live with being a bit strange and that's fine like you don't want to treat it Mm. but for me I found it was really quite beneficial for me personally. Okay how long did it take for for you to really feel that it was having a difference? I think it would have definitely been in weeks rather than days like at first I didn't really feel any particular changes at all but I noticed that the experiences that I was having they were decreasing in frequency and I think that's all really that I wanted from getting a diagnosis was just being able to manage those symptoms so that they weren't disruptive to day-to-day life. Okay well that's a good story isn't it that you that you have found something that you find useful? Yeah definitely and I think you know with something like schizotypal personality disorder as well I haven't found a lot of people at all with that disorder and that's why I do tend to go to Reddit for schizotypal personality disorder information because I think when you have a disorder where people don't really talk about it or it's not that common it's very difficult again to know whether what you're experiencing is normal and it can Mm -hmm. be reassuring to to read that because with schizotypal it's not commonly understood but also the plus side of that is there isn't really a lot of stigma around it either so I did feel like that was an easier label to accept. Okay. Did you and have you found others then who give you a sense of community or or fitting in with with the disorder? So in terms of things like Reddit, I tend to be much more of a lurker than a contributor. So it's useful to read other people's experiences, but also we do get people every now and again that contact us and say, I want to share my story of being schizotypal, then it's always really nice to read other people's experiences and kind of share yours as well and see that you're actually not alone because with something like schizotypal it's such a broad range of symptoms that actually sometimes I've thought you know because paranoia is one of the symptoms like have I made up having STPD like because Mm. it's just it's such an odd disorder that sometimes you can feel completely fine and think there's nothing wrong and then when you're symptomatic it's like it's really bizarre So how long do you have between periods of being symptomatic and not symptomatic? 
I think it really depends on life circumstances. So I find that it's much worse when I'm stressed in terms Mm. of having those perceptual disturbances. And with being a teacher, it can be quite a stressful job. So there are certain pinch points during the year where I know that I need to be more vigilant of symptoms because I've got deadlines or I've got exams. And the good thing about that is you can prepare for it to a certain degree. So I can think, okay, I've got exams coming up. It's going to be really stressful. So I need to make sure that I'm not overworking. I do have reasonable adjustments in place in my workplace as well, which I do need to use when those times are stressful. Usually Mm -hmm. I can go quite prolonged periods of time where I don't need to have any reasonable adjustments whatsoever. So your work is actually quite understanding and they'll be, they sort of adapt to um, give you that support when you need it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, when I got my BPD diagnosis initially, I spoke to my employer, which was my school at the time, and they were really supportive, even to the point of encouraging me if I wanted to, to talk about my experiences Uh, during mental health awareness week which I did as staff training and the good side of that was I actually found out that I wasn't the only person with borderline personality disorder that worked in my school there were three of us yeah yeah out of a staff of how many I would say probably close to a hundred and the incidence rate generally is about one in a hundred for BPD but you do tend to find that people with BPD are drawn to education and the caring sector so we do tend to be overrepresented but it was really nice to have that kind of community where we could support each other and it also helped with having this culture of being open about mental health as well obviously we wouldn't ever discuss it with students but amongst the staff it was really useful to know and to have so they, they were quite supportive in general the staff were quite supportive Yeah, definitely. I mean, for the three of us that worked in the school, I would say it would probably be very difficult to tell that there was anything wrong um, insofar as how we conducted ourselves at work. So I think a lot of people were very surprised that we did struggle with having this disorder, but everyone was definitely very supportive. And, you know, you do hear a lot of horror stories about workplaces that are not supportive to people. Wow. So the the staff in general, what kinds of things would they do? They would just they just verbally express support or anything else? Yeah, I mean they were definitely very supportive after the training came out, but they were also more interested in mental health and mental illness in general. So when we normally do mental health awareness week, we always cover things like anxiety and depression. And I think for a lot of staff, it was just opening their eyes to the fact that actually there is mental health that exists beyond anxiety and depression. Like most of them have never heard of borderline personality disorder. And that led to a student training. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, unless I think you are affected by somebody within your family, it's not really something that you hear a lot about in terms of media campaigns and awareness. Unless you go to certain corners of the internet. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) For the horror stories. Exactly. And I think it's, I mean, I don't think that anybody that I work with, touch wood, would ever hold those kind of perceptions about people with mental illness anyway. But I think if they did, seeing the fact that you've got three people who are able to function, working full time in roles with children, like we're not dangerous and scary people. I mean, maybe some people with BPD are, but 
for most people, like you're not going to even know that we're in your communities. Yes, because working with children in a school must be very, very stressful. It can be. I mean, I worked in a secondary school and I absolutely loved it. Like I love teaching so much. I would never, ever want to do anything else. But it can be quite stressful in terms of the things that you have to deal with because a lot of children don't come from ideal backgrounds and it can be emotionally difficult and quite draining because you do take some of that home with you emotionally. Do you have other, say, self-care like um, physical self-care, that sort of basic practical things that you do as well to keep yourself um well I guess as healthy as you can be yeah I mean I found with the BPD symptoms it definitely helps to have distraction and I would say that that's probably one of my go-tos in terms of managing those symptoms so just on a weekly basis I took up boxing which is actually really helpful with managing sort of feeling anger and frustration so I'm less likely to channel it into unhealthy behaviors wow so how often do you do that So I do that once a week, but I also try and get to the gym. I do love running as well. I find running really helps, although it's probably better for me to do it outside. Um, I do prefer to run outside rather than be stuck in the Mm. gym on the treadmill. (laughs) Yeah, and I find, find the outdoors really, really helpful. Are you really responsive to nature too? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I live in quite a nice woodland area so there's a lot of really nice places where you can just run and appreciate nature and it's quite good for getting you out of that negative headspace as well oh that's lovely and so so how many friends would you say that fit into say the cluster b's or the cluster a's talking before about um people being attracted um or or naturally fitting in with each other when you you have these tendencies I would say that probably the vast majority of people I know would probably have some kind of personality disorder, but that is purely based on the work that I do and the people that I come into contact with. With having schizotypal personality disorder, one of the symptoms is social anxiety. So actually my social circle is really, really small and I don't socialise that much outside of the people that I'm very comfortable with. But in terms of the people that... I talk to you quite a lot. I find it easier sometimes to maintain friendships with people who do have personality disorders because they understand a lot more about your thought processes and Mm. also about how it is in terms of managing emotions. I found in the past that when I have been symptomatic, especially for symptoms of BPD, Friends have found that quite difficult to manage, but if you have a friend who also has a personality disorder, they have a bit more of a perspective on the behaviour. And that's not to say that people with personality disorders are better than friends who do not have personality disorders, but it can be helpful. Yeah, they're they're understanding, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. And I think in terms of cluster B, there is a real perception that people with cluster B are really dramatic all of the time. And that isn't the case. Yes, you might see glimpses of that behavior, but there are actually very few people that I know within cluster B that are constantly behaving in accordance with their symptoms all of the time. I mean, have you been hurt by somebody with a disorder in a way that would be typically 
you know, that would go along with the, the types of behaviours that are, uh, go along with that personality disorder? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, like I said earlier, people with personality disorders are not angels. I've met with the borderlines that haven't behaved in a particularly nice way towards me. And I think it's always important to bear in mind that somebody's disorder is not an excuse for them to not take accountability for their own actions. Even if you slip up, even if you do behave in a way that is not acceptable, afterwards, you still need to own what you've done and take responsibility for what you've said yes it is difficult sometimes to manage symptoms and we will slip up every now and again because that's human nature whether or not you've got a personality disorder or whether you are neurotypical that will happen but it doesn't excuse abusive behavior and that's kind of the message that we've always wanted to put out there yes we are showing the alternative view of personality disorders but we're not excusing poor behavior because I think if you start to see people's disorder as an excuse, that's when you are going to start to find yourself on a very slippery slope. Mm, that's such a good point, isn't it? Mm. And think, it, yeah, what you're saying is maybe that it's harder sometimes to withhold from some of those behaviours that are more compulsive, but in the end, we're all human. We all deserve respect, um, no matter who we are. So we've got to give it as well as receive it exactly and I think accountability is so important like one of the things that's really helped me in terms of recovery from the BPD is having people in my life that will say actually you've overstepped the mark and you were wrong because I don't ever want to be around people that enable that behavior even though my behaviors are probably not as extreme as what some people with BPD's behaviors are I still have a responsibility to be a good person. Mm -hmm. So who are these people that are, are helping you this way? So I would say that my husband, definitely, he would be like the go-to. He knows me so well and I rely on him a lot to tell me because he is also neurodiverse. Mm -hmm. It's important for us to have those kind of boundaries because we don't always realize when we're overstepping them. So it's really important that we have to communicate with each other about what each person finds acceptable and what they do not, because sometimes it doesn't always occur to us. So mm. we do have to have that communication. But I've also got friends with personality disorders that understand borderline personality disorder and they have a lot of strategies that they use themselves which are quite useful to me as well and I've also found that I've learned a lot from the friends with personality disorders like I know it gets such a bad reputation but the friends that I've got with narcissistic personality disorder they were the ones that really helped me with putting boundaries in place so that people wouldn't take advantage of me. Mm, they're good for that aren't they? They can be. I mean, yeah. obviously, as, long, as long as it's not taken to an extreme, like some of the behaviours that you see in any personality disorder can be useful if they are used in the correct way. And it sounds then that for all these people, those diagnoses have been really good because then uh, you've all begun to understand your tendencies and uh, sort of look at them quite clearly and then start to plan and manage them quite well. Yeah, I mean, for the people that we know personally, also for the, the project, it does demand a certain level 
of being able to be self-aware and to self-reflect. And I think one of the other things that we want to make really clear is that we know that there are people with personality disorders that are not self-aware and that cannot reflect on their own behavior because they haven't reached that stage in their recovery or simply because they don't want to acknowledge that their behaviors might be harmful. And I think that what we are trying to do is not necessarily reflective of everyone. Like we always say that stigma comes from somewhere, which is, you know, usually the most extreme and harmful examples. And that isn't representative of everybody with that disorder. But you do also need to bear in mind that everybody is so completely different with a personality disorder that you're never going to get two people that are exactly the same. Mm, that's yeah those are really good points and it's true isn't it that um it's not because when you hear that label it's like oh well you're a this person well no not really it's more that you're an individual and those defenses are built up in a certain way but it's sort of different variations for each person as well so it's really really very um complex isn't it it really is. And I am not a medical professional. I don't know a great deal about personality disorders from the medical or the scientific side, but definitely speaking from experience, I would say it is such a spectrum. Like you have people with borderline personality disorder that are, and I don't really like to use the term, but for making it understandable for everybody, high functioning in the sense that they've got full-time jobs, they've got families, you know, they very rarely show their symptoms. And then you've also got people who are maybe towards the bottom end of the scale that are not able to work because they struggle so much with their disorder. And I don't think it's a good idea for people to get into the high and low functioning labels because I feel like it kind of puts people who are high functioning as on a pedestal almost, which shouldn't be the case because everyone with a disorder should have access to the support they need, whether it's really intensive support or whether it's hardly any at all. Okay. Yeah, because, yeah, and I I actually, I have a friend who I think is a high-functioning borderline, actually, um, and we've got we've got similar backgrounds in a way, so that's, because that was my diagnosis too, but it was yeah. narcissistic BPD, mm-hmm. but yeah, she, um, she struggles a little bit, she, I mean, she's an amazing worker, She's so competent, but she does cry a lot. She tells me she cries in the car almost every day. Um, she's going through a stressful period in her life, and yeah. But I thought, oh, I, I don't know whether I could even mention this to her. Uh, yeah, but um, yeah, it's, it's difficult because personality disorder can be such a loaded term, and also with all of the symptoms across the mental illness spectrum that do overlap the only way that someone's really going to know is if they do go for a diagnosis but that's not the route that everybody wants to take I guess because I think it can be very difficult to access a diagnosis like in my case it took so long to be able to do that that yeah it can be a really fraught and quite emotional process for a lot of people getting a diagnosis it's yeah especially if you're not really aware that you're that disordered it can be really really difficult certainly it wasn't easy for me I mean it was 
two decades ago. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was quite quite difficult. And I know other people where it's been quite a struggle to accept it. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like when I think about the labels that I have, I definitely found it easier to accept schizotypal. And I think that's probably because there wasn't as much stigma. Because when I say to people, oh, I have STPD, their reaction is normally, what's that? Rather than Mm. when you say, oh, I've got BPD. And they're like, oh, like they don't really know how to react to that. (laughs) Yeah. In fact, I, I didn't even tell my dad till like, a few months ago. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I certainly didn't mention it, haven't mentioned it to many people at all. And that's probably a bit more of a, you know, it, it used to have, uh, I guess it was more mysterious in the past. But yeah, it was just something that I've just kept up my sleeve and maybe I'll tell my doctor and, you know, the very closest, but it's certainly not something I've discussed openly. I think things are probably getting a little bit better for BPD in terms of public perception. I have noticed over recent years, like the tide is turning a little bit, but then you also have the flip side of that where I think it's actually getting worse for things like narcissistic personality disorder because the media have picked up on the word narcissist and it just gets used for anything that's bad now. Yes, yes. And I've I've got a lot of friends now uh, with the diagnosis or traits and it's, yeah, it's terribly hard for them. And I think nobody wants to have a personality disorder. It's not something that you pick. No. You know, you wake up and you go, that's what I want to be. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, they're already struggling as it is. And then it's really become demonised. And I do understand because, you know, you can really hurt other people. But um, there's that person underneath who who really, yeah, is really struggling with their disorder and then with that that horrible demonization on top of it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, we've got people with MPD and ASPD that support the project and that they do work for us. I was having the conversation about personality disorders and public perception with two people that work with us on the project one with NPD and one with ASPD and the person with NPD was saying it's so difficult now because this culture of armchair diagnosing people with NPD because of narcissists being used so much to describe people who are you know shallow or self-absorbed rather than what it's actually being used for have made it so difficult for people to want to actually go and get help because nobody wants to go and see a therapist and say actually I think I've got narcissistic personality disorder because the connotations of that are so bad and we were also having the conversation with a member of staff who has ASPD and they were saying the same kind of thing is happening for sociopaths so like you know you will go to certain news websites and you will see the headline is how to find out if your ex is a sociopath or something like that and it's become so skewed in public perception as to what they actually mean yeah I've seen that too and it it is it's witch hunting isn't it it's like they're not human and I've actually seen that written on the internet you know about people being barely human and stuff like that and it's like well you know Exactly. Yeah, they're just people. And I think, too, the other thing is when you have a PD, you have a lot of shame. I mean, that's that's one of the reasons I think you develop it, um, many of them. So then to have this extra layer is really, really hard for people. 
It is definitely. And I think, you know, I don't know what the solution is to that because especially in the case of NPD, there seems to be a whole industry that's sprung up around it that is making people a lot of money from demonizing that. And I oh, find you're so right there. It's it's I don't know how that is ever gonna go away, if I'm being honest. I know that sounds really pessimistic, but is it too profitable to mm. give NPD a chance yeah and and some of these are allegedly mental health professionals I think I don't get that that's the thing I think if you are a mental health professional you really need to be wise with the words that you are using to describe people I think it was the gold was it gold water gold man rule that's right yes you can't diagnose yeah but it seems to be that people do do this and also like journalists do it too which is really bizarre to me yes because they're supposed to be bound by truth yeah and I think you know all of this speculation doesn't help like I have you know had like really minor arguments with people before and they've called me a narcissist and I'm like hun you're not even like in the right <laughs> PD like <laughs> <laughs> It's just like it's just such an insult now that people just throw it around for anything that they don't like. <laughs> it's quite silly, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. It's like no one's ever said to me, Oh God, you're such a schizotypal. I'd actually be like really happy if they did. I was like, Oh god, awareness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I should just keep that up my sleeve, shouldn't I? Oh, honestly. Yeah. Oh, you're such a schizoid. <laughs> It's like, it's just so weird how language gets hijacked. It does. And I think I'm a bit older than you. And I can say I have seen um, fashions change. And maybe it's sort of every decade, there's a new monster that's sort of picked out and becomes that public enemy. And, you know, they might appear in movies a lot as the villain and what have you, what have you. But yeah, you're right. At the moment, it's really the poor narcissists that are getting a real bashing. It really is. And I think the sociopaths are not as far behind, although talking to my friend with ASPD, I think like they care like considerably less. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you never know. Your time might come with schizotypal. You know, that might be five years down the track. I know. Yeah. Oh, God. (laughs) I don't even want to think about that. (laughs) No, it's going to be something really weird and random that we could never predict. It Fine. is, but yes. you know, at the end of the day, like disabilities are protected characteristics, and PDs can be disabilities. So, you know, the things that you say about personality disorders, you would not say about someone with a physical disability. And mm. I find the double standard just really just bizarre. Yeah, me too. Me too, absolutely. And and for example, if you said you know you suffered uh, from some other type of mental illness people be a lot more supportive but no it's these sort of a few groups where you're allowed to say whatever you want yeah and that that's wrong you know I mean at the end of the day I was talking about this you know I got borderline personality disorder people know that generally not always but generally it can stem from trauma and if I had you know reached the fork of mental illness in life like I took the BPD route but if I'd have gone to the right and ended up with HPD or ASPD people would treat me completely differently and I just find that so sad that it's just the roll of the dice. Yeah and that's the thing is to to think of the person and what they probably went through to end up that way 
Exactly. And I think when you work in a school and you see children that have been affected by trauma, you understand it perhaps a little bit more about the impact of trauma because I think people don't realize how life-changing and life-defining that can be. Oh, there's so much work to be done, isn't there? There really is. Uh, It'd be so good if we could do something for all those little kids. I know, because you'd think it's so in its tracks. Exactly. And you think of the people who have personality disorders now, like what is that going to be like in 10, 15, 20 years' time when these kids grow up? Mm. Well, maybe you're carving a path for them. Hopefully. I'm hopeful that things will get better. Well, well done for all your hard work. Thank you. Mm, And thank you for sharing all this. No problem at all. It's been an absolute pleasure. Okay. Thank you. And um, yeah, good luck with everything. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The makers of PD Raw accept and embrace our guests and respect their honesty. Please be aware that understanding the hurt that makes people want to act out is not the same as condoning destructive behaviours. In fact, we hope that this podcast will contribute to helping people overcome negative and harmful patterns in themselves and in others. PD Raw is a project run by unpaid volunteers. We would love some help with paying for the podcast app. If you would like to donate just a small amount towards the cost, please click on the small globe icon in the top right of the podcast homepage. Thank you.